This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 144. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Very happy to have you here. Today, we've got an episode all about learning Chinese characters, specifically how one person used Star Wars to learn to read and write Japanese. Very, very interesting. It's a very detailed conversation. Before we get into that, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, who are italki. And italki is a place where, speaking of Japanese, in fact, I often take Japanese lessons on italki to keep my Japanese up and uh, <laughs> not uh, not disintegrate too badly. If you would like to get a free lesson with a Japanese teacher or any other teacher on italki, you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. So today I'm very happy to be speaking with Mr. Kevin Richardson, who's from the UK, but moved out to Japan some time ago. We're going to be getting into a lot of different aspects of learning to read and write Chinese. A lot of you will identify with his story, especially if you've ever been through the process, I mean, if you've lived in China or Japan, or if you've been through the process of taking a bit of time to get into a language. So there are Kevin mentions a lot of different things here, all of which I'll put in the show notes, which will be at iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash episode 144, in case you want to dive into that any differently. But now let's get into the conversation with Kevin Richardson. I began by asking him just to describe his background and how he came to move to Japan in the first place. So I visited Japan in about 1998, um, and I kind of fell in love with the country. Um, and decided that one day I would learn the language and live in Japan, and then proceeded to do nothing about it for about 14 years. Um, other things got in the way. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I guess about four and a half, five years ago, um, just after the uh, big tsunami, kind of Japan get, got back into my mind. Um and I thought, okay, I'll start learning Japanese. Um, and very, very slowly, um, without having any plan, etc., I just kind of bumbled away for the best part of a year without making too much progress. Um, and I think it was through uh, Benny Lewis um, uh, listening to a few um, uh talks by Benny Lewis that I thought, okay, this guy is on to something about actually speaking the language. Um, and one thing led to another. So I started speaking Japanese on Aitokai. Um, and then I joined the Ad One Challenge. Um, and I learned a lot through doing the Ad One Challenge, mostly about just having a routine. And doing something consistently um, and I saw myself actually make some progress and kind of amaze myself that I could actually uh, make conversation with native Japanese people yeah so you kind of had that realization I guess you realized that hey I can actually speak Japanese right yeah yeah and then uh, you ended up moving to Japan is that right yeah it was uh, um, I I thought that um, uh, really, I was learning Japanese because I, I wanted to live in Japan. So I kind of said to myself, 
I won't actually move to Japan until I can actually make a basic conversation in Japanese. Um, so I sort of set myself a, a goal of, okay, I really want to do this, but I'm not going to just move there because um, I might just fall into the trap of moving to Japan and going, oh, people will speak English with me, great, and not actually speaking the language. Um, so, I, so I sort of said, okay, once I'm able to make basic conversation, I kind of I can justify my move to Japan. So you moved um, to Japan, and then you started. Uh, you, I guess you got a you got a job there, and you started kind of living your life. Did you start learning learning kanji, or even hiragana and katakana from the from the beginning? Or when when did that really kind of hit? Okay, so hiragana katakana I learned very much at the beginning, um, which uh, was pretty useful. Um, now I know a lot of people say that. Uh, Oh, it helps with pronunciation. I'm not so sure it does. I'm kind of like, well, I did it first and it didn't do me any harm. Uh, and it impressed the Japanese teacher when I arrived at my first class and I could read the hiragana and katakana. So it's like, ooh, brownie points for Kevin. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but of course, as you know, um, you you learn hiragana katakana and and you're like hey I could do this and then you hit have a look at kanji and go uh oh problem there's a lot of these things and I can't make head or tail of any of it uh, it can be pretty daunting and pretty frightening I think um, did you start learning kanji from the beginning or did, was there one kind of moment when you did you put it off and then suddenly have a a kind of epiphany moment. I certainly did. I put it off and I put it off. Um, I didn't start learning kanji until the beginning of this year. So after four years of uh, learning Japanese, I hadn't really bothered with kanji until the beginning of this year. And the reason this happened was I went on a trip down to Kyushu um, at Christmas and, Kyushu is the uh, southernmost island in in, in uh, the, the, the 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 southernmost of the big three islands in Japan. Yeah, um, and I met a guy down there whose Japanese was pretty damn good. Um, and I, what I've noticed is uh, often when foreigners speak Japanese, I can understand almost ninety nine percent of what they're saying because I guess they've learned a lot of the high-frequency words that I would have learned. Um, but this guy was speaking on a pretty near-native level. Um, and, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll ask him, what's your trick? What, how come you can speak so elegantly? Um, uh, he said, it's because you read a lot. I was like, aha. Um, okay, so would you say learning kanji... Um, really helped you. Um, he said, yeah, it's the key. If you learn kanji, it will un unlock the language for you. That was yeah. his way of putting it. So, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's brilliant. And I, and I love those kind of realizations because um, is it kind of, it kind of pull, drags you out of your comfort zone, doesn't it? And it makes you realize, yeah. like, I have to change things up here. Otherwise, I'm just going to kind of just fester along for another few years without making any any progress so i mean what i what i really would like to 
get into is some of the the issues around learning kanji. But before we do that, could you like um, give us a, a kind of like, very sort of give us a snapshot of the journey of learning kanji from like so where are you at now and what were the were there any phases along the way from like zero that moment when you talked to that guy in Kyushu up to where mm. you're at now and how would you break down your experience so far okay yeah right so where I'm at now is I I've I've learned the sort of keyword meanings of about 2000 kanji by using Heisig's remembering the kanji book um and then about how long did that take ago, um i did it in six months um some people say they can do it in three months i think that's really going for it um I took six months, but what I was doing was um, not only making a mnemonic story for each of the kanji characters, I was also writing out the kanji about 10 to 15 times for each one. Um, and I think what I found was that actually by writing them out, um, in some respects I thought this will help me be able to write them in the future, but I think the actual process of writing them out slowed me down a bit to um, make better mnemonics as I was writing them out and, and really sort of focused me on uh, what's the story of this kanji? How do the radical yeah. parts of this kanji make up the mnemonic? So that I, I would have a higher attention by doing that um, than if I just blasted through. Um, so, yeah, so you... So we'll get into that in, in, in just a second, but then... So you went through that this book, remembering the kanji, and I'll, I'll put all these in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, but you, so you went through that, and you learned about two thousand characters, and it took you about six months. And mm. then, was that like the only thing you did? Was it kind of a kind uh, of heads down? I'm going to get through this book if it's the last thing I do. Like, closed door. A, six months, or, or how did it work? <laughs> there was, a, yeah, there was a certain amount of that's what I'm going to do when I began. But I think. Uh, just doing that one thing can get pretty tedious, no matter which way you look at it. So yeah. after about three or four months, I thought, ah, oh, um, I've been reading Star Wars books. Um, uh, uh, I bought the whole series of uh, the original Star Wars trilogy um, in Japanese. And it's aimed at teenagers. So by the side of the kanji, there's the furigana, which is the hiragana um, reading of the kanji. Um, so even though, like, I, I might only know a gist meaning to the character, as I was uh, reading Star Wars, I know the stories inside out and backwards. Um, and there's a lot of katakana words, like foreign loan words, like uh, Millennium Falcon or lightsaber um, that are written in katakana. Lightsaber. So, Right to say about Millennium Falcon, etc. And and I think because if you know a story and you've got the help of uh, foreign loan words, um, when you see kanji of um, uh, that you understand what they mean, but you might not know how to read them, you're kind of reinforcing 
the the what they mean and also a reading to them as you're reading a well-known story. So did you spend a lot of time reading stories? I mean, how did, was it just a kind of casual thing or did you have a structure to that reading? No, not really a structure so much as um, I would just try and fit in maybe a page or two a day. Um, would you be kind of taking notes and writing down new new kanjis you came across them or was it just a kind of extensive reading exercise where you just read and enjoyed it i read and enjoyed it but i also sat there with a pen putting a a circle around a word that i thought this is going to be useful i want to be able to remember this one this will be useful for me in a conversation or if i'm talking about star wars in a bar (laughs) That kind of thing. And then, or what would you do later part. with that? Once you with that stuff that you'd circled, what would you do? With, did you have a like a procedure that you would go through afterwards to go back to that? Um, yeah, I started building up my own decks in memories um, of useful Star Wars related vocabulary, nice. <laughs> so that I'd have like a space repetition um, system to review and just see if I could recall them. Okay, yeah. so then, um, so I'm loving this. So I'd like to break this down a bit in a second, but mm. you're getting to a point now where you've got two things going on, right? You've got the Heisig book that you are, you've got remembering the kanji that you're working through, and now you've yeah. got a, a deck on memorize that you also have to, um, you also have to yeah. revise. Now, did this get? Did you start to feel at any point like you were you were dividing your attention or you were doing too many things? No, because um, I mean, there's so many things that you're kind of doing when when you're learning a language like I'm I'm still kind of maintaining conversation once a week with a language partner Um, but uh, I would take my Star Wars book in and we'd make some sentences uh, using new words or uh, some new grammar point that I'd learned or something like that Um, but but in addition to this I started using Wanikani um, about six months ago. Uh, that was about uh, two months before I finished Hasing. I kind of overlapped with, okay, I'm kind of wanting to learn more readings now. So I'm, I'm on level 10, which I guess is about 1,500 vocabulary words. And can you tell us what Wanikani is? So Wanikani is uh, a... Um, website resource which um, teaches uh, uh, about 6,000 uh, vocabulary words but it also, like Heisig um, you learn the radicals um, and then the kanji on their own and then also once you've learned a kanji you'll learn a few vocabulary words that use those kanji and you start to sort of like notice patterns and how how this uh, reading is used in a composite form. For okay. A word. Now, so we're, we're getting we're getting pretty technical here, but I do want to just drill down on this one 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 level further because this is yet another resource that you're kind of using at the same time. So when you started using Wanikani, were you taking the same? Was it like new characters, or were you taking the stuff that you'd already learned from High Sig and from your Star Wars comics? Aha. Uh-huh. So here's the, here's the interesting thing. Um, so some people will go, oh, okay, I'll learn uh, with Heisig, and then I will start learning on the next level of learning the readings to the same 
Joey Okanji. So the uh, uh, the set of 2000 odd kanji that the government in Japan say this is what literacy is. Um, so Wanikani also pretty much teaches Joey Okanji, but um, also adds a hell of a lot of vocabulary words so that you, um, you're not learning these kanji in isolation. You're, you're seeing how they connect and join up with other kanji, which I think is really helpful. Okay. Some so, people might say, sorry, some people might say, well, um, uh, yeah, once you, once you learn the kanji on their own, you kind of, you'll, you'll notice what they mean when they join up with other kanji and the, I don't, or I'll, I'll misinterpret. So I think learning vocabulary words in kanji is also really helpful. Yeah. So I think this would be a good point to kind of take a step back and, and just kind of look at everything you said uh, as a whole, because you covered so many great stuff and so many great things. And, um, you know, people listening may, may or may not, I think, understand the, the significance of this. And, and it's something that I'm very interested in right now because I'm learning to, to read Chinese. Um, mm. in a kind of roundabout way in order to help my Cantonese. But it's, just, it's basically the same progress. That's the same process. Yeah. And um, for those of people who may be starting to wonder, okay, what, what's going on here? You started with the Heisig book, which is Remembering the Kanji. And in that book, is it is it all of the 2000 and so on and such joy your kanji? Or is it um, just 1000? Yeah, or... No, no. With uh, Heisig's... Uh... Heisig's Remembering the Kanji book. Uh, um, I thought I'd be learning 2,136 kanji, which is the Joyo set. And apparently, if you know the Joyo kanji, then you'll be able to read a newspaper and read subtitles, which is kind of like my kind of end goal. If I can get literate and I can read the subtitles of movies, um, it's going to really help with growing my vocabulary and being able to read along with the audio. Um, so I think the big disadvantage if we cannot have a massive form of input when we're trying to learn a language. Yeah. Yeah. I felt a bit handicapped, to be honest. Yeah. Without but, being able to but, but how many characters do you actually learn in that book? Um, you learn about 2,000. Okay, so it's you're most of the way there to what? There, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the remembering the kanji book it takes you through from the beginning up to say around about two thousand characters, but as you touched on earlier, but I think we should make clear and correct me if I'm wrong, but they the the system in the book doesn't teach you how to pronounce any of these characters. It just teaches it just teaches you to actually recognize them and and a kind of um. And a kind of root or key meaning yeah. to the character, which may or may not have anything to do with the reality of how of what the character actually means. Is that a, is That's that a fair right. representation? On the whole, yeah, absolutely right. You're kind of, um, I think Heisig's way of explaining it is pretty good, um, where he says that the reason he wrote this book in the first place was because he noticed how Chinese people were able to learn Japanese very quickly. Um, uh, why is that? Well, they could understand the kind of the meaning of the characters without knowing how to actually pronounce them, how to say them. 
Yeah. Um, and so he went about uh, breaking down the kanji. Um, and he used what they call primitives. Um, other people say radicals. These are the, these are the parts of the character, um, which is really useful to um, uh, kind of have an idea about these radical parts and how they make up the kanji. Because with learning that, you're able to make mnemonic stories yeah. to build up the kanji as a whole. It's like an education, isn't it? It's like you're... You're learning because Japanese Chinese people they they learn kind of the ethos of of the of the of the characters as they learn them. They, they, these these characters all have embedded yeah. mean, meanings, and whether it's kind of pictographic or otherwise. That's but right. we don't have any of that as as um, as um, you know as yeah. foreigners. And so but, I I really like the approach because the the other element to this is that. When you are, if you try to learn the how to read and write kanji, but and ha- learn how to pronounce them, and, and often these characters have multiple pronunciations, which change depending on the word combat. It's like extremely complicated. Yeah. Like that task yeah. is huge, and so you can actually break down the task. And I get and the 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 remembering the kanji method says, all right, let's postpone learning the pronunciation till later. Because we're going to be more effective and have more success if we just learn to, like, just learn this world of of reading and writing and recognizing these Chinese characters, how they're made up, how what their composition is, such that later when we come on to actually use these these characters in real words and actually learn to pronounce them, it's going to be so much easier because we've own, we've already we already know how to read and write the shapes themselves. Absolutely. And the other thing I think is really interesting is you start thinking of the characters in a way uh, that a Japanese or a Chinese person would think about them. Yes. It changes your perspective. Like uh, the the kanji for um, star, like hoshi in, in Japanese, um, is made up of sun and life. And so you start thinking about, oh, oh planet. Uh, say, uh, is like star and another character um, and you're like oh okay so you're kind of like looking at uh, the sun is the source of life and you start thinking about things in a in an Asian way yeah. although I think it is worth, it's worth pointing out though isn't it that that, that, that kind of stuff is, is true to some with some of the simpler characters which are, which are more but, but when they get when they get complex like um you know you mentioned mnemonic devices and stories earlier on and one of the ways that that you um commit these kanji to memory in the Heising method is by creating these quite elaborate stories about these different parts and and local like native japanese they, they don't think that way they just know no. the the character <laughs> but so it's a it's a kind of a bit of uh, six of one and half a dozen of the other isn't it but so t- so taking a step taking a step back then the, the since this this method of using uh, of learning the characters by themselves with no pronunciation i see i see this as like a bridge to actually learning to use them for real yeah but there comes a point where you need to to say, okay, I, I've learned how to read and write these things. Now I actually now I actually have to know how to use them and combine them to make words yeah. and to pronounce them. And so what I noticed that you've done is that by whether you realised you were doing it or not, 
is that by going to your Star Wars comics, what mm. you've done is you've you've automatically started to bridge the gap between learning these characters as an abstract thing and the, the and actually seeing them used in context. And then by going on to use the Wani Kenny that you mentioned, I mean I haven't mm. used it, I'm not familiar with it, but it sounds like what you're doing is you've kind of instinctively recognized a need to see these characters being used in real life. And so you've yeah. kind of come across these two tools which have helped you do that. And so I'm going to guess how the story ends, if you like here, which is that <laughs> as you continue to do those things, um, you sudden, you kind of gradually found yourself sort of being able to understand and use and pronounce and say these 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 kanji as they cropped up in real life around you in Japan yeah. because you were yeah. doing those things. Now that that's that's me putting words into your mouth. So does is that accurate or that's how pretty, how did it work? That's pretty true because I you know like we're we're talking about um, my kind of analogy is that um, uh, when you plaster a wall before you actually apply the plaster you rough up the surface and that's hating to me it's like preparing the wall to apply the plaster because um, if you just try like and slap plaster on a smooth wall mm. it just falls off and that's what was happening before I used hazing trying to do everything all at once it was too much of an overload I here's remember a, here's nothing a, here's a question for you Kevin could mm. you let's imagine you never went to Japan and you were um you were back home in um in the UK. Yeah. Could was there is there any reason that you had to be in Japan in order to achieve that this this ability in Chinese in in, in kanji that you did? Like what to what extent was being in Japan instrumental in you learning this? Um okay, like it's definitely an advantage to be in Japan as you're walking around surrounded by kanji characters. You you you're you're interested in <laughs> trying to actually uh, figure out the meaning of the world around you is always present. So kind of you can't really avoid um, but go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, because I know what that character means and I know what that character means. I can put them together and work out, oh, I see how that this is working. Now, that, fair enough. Um, that's great when you're living in Japan, but I wouldn't say it's absolutely necessary because um, uh, a lot of this is all coming just by um, reading reading a book that's familiar to me or the story's familiar to me. Um, so you can do it outside of Japan, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I think the other, the other thing to mention is the fact it's not insignificant that you chose those Star Wars comics because everything you were saying about knowing the story and knowing what happens is yeah. a huge um, leg up in the reading process because you are, um, well, in technical well, terms, we'd say you, you're you have you're already familiar with the schemata of the text, which means that you yeah. already you already know basically the structure of what's happening, which means yeah, you I you can, can just focus can... on the words and the meanings themselves. Totally, totally. Um, that's, that's so true. Uh, um, the funniest one was when I went to visit this castle, Matsumoto Castle. Um, I, I met a, a, a lot of Japanese castles have uh, volunteers that uh, will guide you around the castle. Um, 
and uh, so I, I, I visited this castle, and uh, the Japanese lady that uh, took me around Matsumoto Castle was kind of intrigued. How come I can read all these military <laughs> why do you know the word for Death Star in Japanese? Yeah, why do? What, how come you know the word for um, soldier or uh, commander or something like that? Yeah, and I'll be like, oh, that comes from Star Wars. <laughs> so as we walked around, um, uh, I was kind of like, uh, I kind of know the meaning. I don't know the reading, and then she'd be thinking. Well, that's quite a simple, straightforward kanji that, like, a seven-year-old child would know. You don't yeah. know it, but you know all these <laughs> different ones. It's yeah. like, okay. And sometimes I would read a kanji um, and not know another one and kind of say, oh, that's familiar. And then we'd flip through my Star Wars book. And if she, and it, uh, if this lady pointed out where this kanji existed in the context of Star Wars, I'd know its meaning. Whereas... If I was trying to read just the history on its own, it's a completely new, unknown entity, and I'd be flummoxed completely. <laughs> I wouldn't know, wouldn't have a clue. Kevin, um, I, I had the feeling that we could we could um, we could go on uh, for yeah. a long time about about this, but I I guess um, what I'd like to ask you in closing is, given. I mean, you've come a long way, I think, in, in the nine or ten months that you've been learning, and you've clearly mm. been through a journey, which is, I mean, I, I understand exactly how how um, engrossing and rewarding that journey is, Yeah. because uh, I went through the same thing when I was uh, in Japan, although I never got quite as far as you in terms of volume of characters. Uh -huh. Where do you, assuming that you're, st you're staying in Japan, where do you... Yeah. How is the next year going to look for you in terms of continuing to learn to read? Um, okay. Is it you know? Okay. Do you do you still have an ambition to continue to learn to read? Is it how is it still as useful and as exciting as it was? And where do you see yourself taking this project? Taking this project, okay. So long term plan. Um, I think it's going to take me about two years to reach sort of a fully literate level. Two more years or two years in total? Two years in total, I think. So about a year and a half before I'm completely fully literate in Japanese. Um, now, uh, my, I think my, my fluency in speaking Japanese has taken a bit of a dive since I've really focused on just reading um, and listening um, this year. Uh, so basically, um, the, the once you start learning the, the desire just keeps growing you're like oh actually it might not take me uh, another year and a half to get there it might just take me another year i don't know um because the more you learn the easier it becomes i think um i can certainly kind of guess the readings of quite a few kanji at the moment so it's kind of it it's kind of exciting that you, you're never quite sure of well, the more you learn, the easier it gets, and the faster it gets. It's like a train that sort of gathers speed, and then once you're on a roll, you're like, "Whoa, here we go!" Um, I mean, you'd have to you'd have to suspect that the more you actually become to, the more you're able to actually read real, authentic texts in Japanese, the more that you will just learn through osmosis in a natural way. 
I mean, you have yeah. to expect. I, I mean, I can't imagine that. Obviously, there are some. Um, there are some less frequent characters which could, may always be a problem, just like they are for Japanese people themselves. Yeah. But in, but in terms of reading your kind of everyday stuff, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine it would quite quickly get become a lot easier for you over the coming yeah, months. Yeah, I mean already, um, like we're talking about um, with Star Wars, I'll happily read away, you know, maybe like ten pages in an evening. Um, uh, which when I when I started, uh, it, I would maybe read about half a page of an evening. Now I'm reading ten pages, so so I am getting faster and quicker, and being able to just like scan the text, like and and take in the meaning, even though there's new words there. Um, so I guess. Uh, um, yeah, the, the the more you do, the faster you get, and you're starting to notice grammar patterns. So it all kind of like feeds into the same thing, which is building up your your language muscle. Yeah, that's, mm. that's fantastic, Kevin. We're going to have to have you back on in a, in in uh, in a year and see <laughs> see how you see how far you've come, and maybe give you a little spot test where I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll feed you some newspaper articles on the state of the economy and say. Uh, you know, me something on Japanese history at least, or Star Wars. Star, we'll do Star Wars. How about that? <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, I mean, you're a, you're a very active member of my 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 Facebook group. Um, so, if anyone wants to find you, and and, you're, and if they're not already in the Facebook group, then please come on over and join. You can just go to Facebook and um, search for. Ollie Richards Fluency Mastermind is the rather pretentious name of the, of the of the Facebook group, so you can find that there. Kevin, do you have any other social media channels that people can uh, can um, can find you on? Oh, Facebook. Um, I don't really do Twitter much. Um, yeah, I, I guess I think uh, um, yeah, Facebook's probably the best the best thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we can uh, people can look you up in the uh, in the in the Facebook group if they'd like to. Um, ask you yeah. any questions or maybe issue some some words of uh, encouragement or even warning who knows Kevin thank you so much I know it's late for you in Japan I really appreciate you uh, coming on the call and I hope this has been useful for people um, all the uh, best for the next uh, the next 12 months of, uh, of kanji madness fantastic well it's been totally brilliant speaking with you Ollie after all this all these years I don't know how many years I think we met on the Add One Challenge didn't we yeah, it's been a, it's been it's been a while, but no, it's uh, great to talk to you and great to hear how well you're doing as well. So, long may it last. Fantastic stuff, Ollie. Cheers for that. So, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kevin. It's uh, really fascinating all the different in his process of just searching and looking for new things, kind of feeling his way, and actually without realizing it, even actually you know happening across a very very good combination of different approaches that allowed him to make the progress that he has. All of the resources and things that Kevin has mentioned in this episode, you can find in the show notes, which will be at iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash episode 144. If you enjoyed this or if you enjoyed the podcast in general, I'd be very um, grateful for a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to do that, you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash review. Alternatively, you can open up iTunes itself and search for the show and you'll find it right there. Reviews are really great because they help other people find the show and to just generally motivate me to keep making more <laughs> of them. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you back in the next episode of the podcast.